Hey everyone, Jeremy L. Jones here, author of Ruins of Empire. Just a quick reminder before you listen to this installment of the free podcast novel that the second season is just about to get started and you can contribute right now if you go to kickstarter.com slash projects slash ruins of empire. There you can contribute as little as a dollar to keep this podcast up and running. You can even reserve a signed copy of Saturnius Mons and Templum Venerus. So go to kickstarter.com, look up Ruins of Empire, and make your mark on literary history. You are listening to Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, Book One of the Ruins of Empire Project, a serial podcast novel by Jeremy L. Jones, read by the author and Tyler Murphy. The story so far. In the aftermath of the battle between allied Perpenduloian corporation forces and the Urbanoi within the city, Israel walked with the Houston and witnessed how the people of the city turned their prisoners of war into slaves. She pleaded with the Houston to end the practice and unite with their enemy against the corporation, but the Houston only delivered another warning that everyone from Earth should leave Titan before the sun sets. Meanwhile, Vago, having been captured after the battle, was taken to a camp where he saw Sergeant Carr and the Perfundulai leader in an argument about the result of the battle. Vago warned the leader of the forest people, Halifaco, against trusting any corporation official, especially Carr. Halifaco declared that they would both be locked up until a feast of judgment would determine which of the two lives and which dies. Chapter 17 It is tempting to think of every leader and soldier in the early rebellions as brave freedom fighters rallying against oppression, but that's as inaccurate as the idea that the corporation was a benign social entity that existed only for the allocation of resources. Many rebels were bloodthirsty warlords and is willing to murder an entire population to set them free. Not every soulless butcher was born into the highest ranks of the corporation. Many were born poor, oppressed, and desperate for a piece of the prosperity they saw around them, and they even had fewer scruples when it came to grabbing some. From the Fall, The Decline and Failure of 21st Century Civilization by Martin Raff Vago found himself locked in a dark, dank prison cell for the second time in as many days. He was somewhere in the bowels of the ancient ship, far away from any source of light, apart from a small hole in the ceiling that let in just enough to give definition to the darkness. The cell was little more than a 9 by 6 box, with a metal shelf big enough to lay on. This could have been sleeping quarters for the crew when the ship was spaceworthy. There was just enough room to sleep, and store a few personal effects. He laid on the metal shelf and listened. The hollow interior amplified everything so that every step, door slam, and conversation existed just on the edge of hearing. It was like a hallucination where hundreds of disembodied voices talked at once. He was aware enough to know that if he could hear everything going on in the ship, they could hear him too. But he didn't have much choice. Devoid of triple T since the previous night, he felt his brain slipping deeper and deeper into the haze. 
He had to call for rescue while he was still aware enough to be worth rescuing. He pulled up his sleeve and activated the display on the arm of his arrow suit. It flashed on and proceeded to find the nearest signal. It took a while since Isra, Althea, and Kronos were still in the city nearly five kilometers away. The computer locked and Vago sent a call to Isra. Moments later, he could hear her voice in his ear. Vago, are you okay? We have been trying to contact you. Where are you? Vago coughed and tasted blood. Sorry, went and got myself tied up. I'm alive for now. I'm the special guest of a local chieftain named Halafako. He's got me put up in our normal Tatanian accommodations. How about you? Isra sniffed. At the pyramid with Kronos, trying to find a way to stop this fight between the Perfinduloi and the Urbanoi. Our time may be limited, though. The Houston's patience for outsiders grows short. I don't know how much longer he will tolerate our presence here. Vago coughed up another smattering of blood. Well, then my being captured has put us into a fortuitous position. Halifaco is none too pleased with the way the last attack went down. Cars went in lost favor and is languishing in similar conditions. I figure if we've got dirt on the corporation, now's the time to use it and turn Halifaco to our side. There was a long pause, then Isra said, Kronos is looking into the refineries. They have a central connection to Titan and the Titanian culture. Everything they do, every belief they hold dear, and every cultural construct functions to keep the refineries operational, either directly or indirectly. I will say, Alafaco's got a pretty big grudge against those refineries. Apparently when his people are captured, they go and work there until they manage to escape or die. Isra paused again. Her voice sounded strained. I... I know. I saw them process prisoners of war and prepare them for work. Well, it seems Carr promised Halafako that the refineries were offline so long as the corporation was in the area. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think the corporation is capable of sitting on top of a pile of refined fuels and not doing something about it. It's like asking a jewel thief to guard the diamond store. Isra's voice perked up. You think the corporation could be running the refineries in direct violation of a deal with the Perfinduloi? I wouldn't put it past them, and if they were, it'd rile the Houston up as well. I will have Kronos look into it. Ain't gotta be much. Just something to prove that the refineries are not shut down as promised. Find that, and have him bring it to me. From the sounds of things, he's got about six hours. Isra paused. Six hours? What happens in six hours? There's gonna be some kind of feast, and they're gonna decide, as a group, what to do with me and Sergeant Carr. That is not a lot of time. Is there another way out? Could be, could be. They are definitely short-handed since the battle, but there are still a lot of people here, and they ain't negotiating type. You'll have to rampage your way in just to get me. There'll be a lot of blood, Isra. A lot of blood. Can you find a way to escape? Vago sat up and winced. I took a hunk of metal to the guts during the battle. I'll live, for now. I can't move terribly fast for a time. You think we can get this Halifaco on board with the right evidence? I think it's the best chance we got. I will see what I can do. Good. I'll wait here. Vago turned off his arm computer, laid back down, and let himself slip into unconsciousness.
the numbers were too flat on the screen. Always too flat. Cronus could see them, but he could not feel, and thus could not understand them. He disconnected a plug from the back of the supercomputer's dual monitors, and the screens flashed to black. He reached into his pack sitting on the desk, just off to the side of the keyboard, and selected the silver box and the adapters he would need to make it work. He pulled his goggles over his eyes, and the world sprang to life once more. He saw the code once again, a constant stream of numbers sent from the supercomputer to the refineries. Only four numbers, different combinations of 0, 1, 2, and 3. On the flat screen, they merely scrolled down. So flat, so boring. Now he could see them for what they really were. They cascaded all around him, spiraling as they went. Four numbers, a spiral, a constant code. It meant something. Kronos knew this for a fact, but he still couldn't put it together in his mind. Kronos! Isra's sharp voice jolted him out of his world. He pulled the goggles back off his eyes, and the numbers vanished. There was only this world, and Isra was looking impatient. She must have been trying to get his attention for some time. What are you working on? She continued with her petronatural calm. The code, the signal between the refineries and this place. There is something we are missing. Something fundamental. This place, these people, they revolve around the code the way Titan revolves around Saturn. It is everything, and it is only four numbers, repeated in a seemingly random fashion. Interesting, said Isra, without looking remotely interested. I need you to put that on hold for a minute. What can you tell me about the refineries? Kronos touched an icon on top of the silver box, and the dual monitors flashed back to life. The code was gone now, and replaced with detailed schematics of the refinery complex. Everything. I found the original plans for the refineries, and adopted an algorithm to update its structures and current functions. The system controls everything, and now I see the system. Isra leaned close. Is there anything odd going on? Kronos scrolled through the complex diagrams. The corporation shut down most of the systems. They remain inactive. Extraction pumps, transfer pipes, distillers, condensers, all of it is... Kronos stopped. There was some activity at one of the mid-process chemical tanks. He typed a few commands and the diagram zoomed in on three conical tanks. There was a set of numbers showing how much of what chemicals they contained, and they were following. What? What do you see? asked Isra. Kronos zoomed back out to look at the schematic as a whole again. Holding tanks for hydrocarbon chemical compounds. They were full, but the level is dropping. They contained refined hydrocarbons, but they are not being transferred. Not in the system, which means... Kronos spun around in the chair and activated the screen on his aero suit. He linked to the satellite view and zoomed in close to the Legia Mar. There! Do you see it? he said, holding his arm out so Isra could look at the screen. She bent down. The Lagia Mar? Look close. Do you see something strange on the surface? Isra looked closer. I do. What are those? Kronos pulled his arm back. Do you recall the spools they unloaded? Hundreds of meters of carbon-reinforced synthetic tubing. Isra thought for a moment. The giant spools of hose... 
enough to stretch across the Legia Mar. Several times, added Kronos, looking at his Eros computer again. They planned this. They knew about this city and the refineries all along. That's far too much weight to ship a billion miles from Earth, even for the corporation. There is no other reason to be prepared for a situation like this, unless that was their plan from the start. Kronos turned back to the monitors. There's your evidence. What evidence do you speak of? Kronos tapped his ear. I've kept the channel open. Listen to the lies and the secrets. If you humans insist on destroying this city, then it's up to me to protect this place and its secrets. I know about Vago, and I know you need evidence to present against the corporation. You have it now. Isra sighed. Then you know that Vago's injured and in danger. We need to make that evidence portable and show it to the force people holding him. Can you do that? Kronos turned and blinked a few times. Well, yes, it's possible. I have devices that can store and replay complicated systems like this. But it is not easy to transfer and use. It will take time to show you how. Isra straightened up. No need. You will be going. Althea is still tending to the wounded, but as soon as she can get away, I want you and her on the crawler and moving towards Vago's signal. Understand? Kronos looked back at the code, those flat numbers on the screen. I need time. I'm so close. I can almost see it. Isra started walking toward the main door. You will have plenty of time to come back to that. Vago needs help now, and I need every team member in play to make sure he is safe. So do what you need to do and be ready to leave in about 30 minutes. I'll be back after I talk to Althea. That was it. No discussion. Just Isra's footsteps on the steel catwalk as she walked out of the pyramid. Kronos pulled the goggles over his head, hit the icon on the box, and watched the numbers dance in their beautiful spiral patterns for a few minutes. He needed time. He could see it, but he didn't perceive it yet. He needed time. You have been listening to The Ruins of Empire, Saturnius Mons, the first book of The Ruins of Empire Project. The Ruins of Empire podcast was written by Jeremy L. Jones and produced by Sean Vincent. Cover art was by Nick Martin. Music was Broken Reality by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0 license. Thank you.